welcome to another episode of Slay House Presents. I'm your host, Trevor. With me today, returning to the seat of the crime, I guess, is... I don't know. What, what, <laughs> my, returning to my co-host chair is Caitlin. Say hi. I'm so glad to be back. I'm glad you're back. It's been a minute since we've done this where we just sit down and kind of talk about books together. I think it's been since July. Yeah, something like that. Well, maybe even a little earlier than July, uh, but certainly been quite a bit of time. What have you been up to? Life, man. <laughs> Life. <laughs> been going through it, huh? Yeah. What uh, how, What are some of the life changes that have been occurring since you kind of dropped out of the show a little bit? School. I went back to college this last semester. For, um, yeah. And what have you been what have you been studying for? Uh, well, I'm just trying to finish my associates. Um, I'm going to graduate in May, which is it's kind of blowing my mind. I never thought I would get here. I'm really um, proud of you for what it's worth. Yeah, I I think I was it over the summer that I looked at my credits and I realized that I was this close. I think that's right, yeah. I was like, holy shit, I only have 15 credits to graduate. Yeah. I can do this. Yeah. Like Yeah, so I I just decided I'm this close, I might as well do it. So, I signed up for the fall semester. Um, I took Spanish and World Lit, two of the things that Trevor has taught. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I if I can't pass these with Trevor living at home with me, <laughs> I'm fucked. ¿Y ahora puedes hablar en español? No. But I got lucky, and I passed both with an A. Uh, we're we're not going to go into the details of that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I made it through um, by the skin of my teeth uh, and my sanity. There were times uh, Trevor would find me in the fetal position crying <laughs> over Achilles. Over Achilles, like, it's not. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not this big a deal. <laughs> it's just fucking Achilles. It's just Get Achilles. It. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's what I did all semester. That's what kept me kept me from reading and and being on the show. And yeah. But uh, thankfully, I'm on a short reprieve, and here in a couple of weeks, I start back up. I'm thinking this semester, even though I'm taking one extra class, or taking three instead of two, I think this semester might be a little easier. Yeah. What what are you taking for the spring semester? I'm taking intro to ethics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm taking um, a film arts class, which mm -hmm. I know you're looking forward to taking with me. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to enjoy watching all those films with me. <laughs> I mean, for what it's worth, it, it, like, I did a lot of PhD work, uh, not necessarily in film, but film like media. Um, so not like the, like the making of film or anything like that, but incorporating film as an aspect of critical analysis right yeah. um so i'm very excited about your i'm I'm probably more excited about your film studies class than you are yes <laughs> yeah. yeah and then the third one i always screw up the name of it but it's um 
it's a um it's a management it's like a logistics management class which it's literally it's doing what i've been doing day in and day out for the last eight years at my job mm -hmm. it's teaching you how to run like a warehouse mm -hmm. uh from yeah. literally the ordering to the receiving all the way up to what i do in the office yeah so it should i mean i say it should be easy but i mean we'll see but it was just it sounded interesting yeah and i've, I've been doing it for eight years and i needed another class to, yeah. to, to finish it off so i was like yeah let's do it <laughs> 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 i got this in the bag well it's very very uh exciting and and then at the end i get to i get to call you associate associate yeah yeah i'll, I'll walk around and be associate caitlin <laughs> everybody's be like what are you gonna do with your associates um hopefully get a raise at work <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm hoping but i think education is it's important and edifying for the self you know sometimes it's not necessarily about the the like manifestation of like a better job or opportunity i do think that's ostensibly what you should get out of an education but but sometimes it's just for that self-edification it's like you just need to have it to say that you've done it you know like yeah. like for yourself um to to kind of uh feel a, more accomplished in your own skin a little bit I mean, I, I, it's edifying for sure. Like, yeah. I feel like it, it hones your skills, uh, but I feel like it, it can also have the capacity to kind of build your yourself up, you know, um, kind of give you a little bit more self-assurance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, if I don't see you again. <laughs> oh, you will. We live together. You'll see me. <laughs> uh, good luck. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, uh, it's it's the end of the year. It is the close of twenty twenty three. This literally, is literally we are two days. Well, today's thirtieth. <laughs> We're record. We it's are actually end. recording this episode almost live because as soon as we're done, it's going up on our website, right? Um, so we're. I mean, we're literally uh releasing this recording this it's the end of 2023 and i thought this would be a good touch point to reflect back on the way that our year has gone some of our successes some of our um let's say trials of 2023 um some of the things that we're really looking forward to in 2024 and that includes a lot of books so before we get into the book stuff which is why we're all here. Uh, I, I want to take a moment to reflect back with you and dialogue through some of the challenges and some of the victories that we've had this year. So looking back on 2023, how do you feel about it in retrospect? Mm. Well, I definitely, definitely say it was another challenging year. Uh, especially for like going back to school um it was another another challenging year <clears throat> excuse me another challenging year without my dad yeah um i apologize i feel the tears coming on <laughs> <laughs> um probate is finally done for me 
Um, oh, that, what a journey that's been. Oh, my gosh. That has been, it started last July. So it's been. Like a year and a half, year basically. year and a half, basically, yeah. And it finally, it got done right before Christmas. I mm. got, we signed all the papers and I got my check. Yeah. And it's, it's a weight lifted off of me. Do you feel like it's giving you some closure? Yeah. It, yeah, it definitely, to receive that, that money to be done with that part of, of that legal process with my stepmother, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's a weight off of me and it gives me some closure for sure. And we also got his headstone placed this year. Yeah. That, that was another, a big piece. That was a, a big fight. Yeah, um, that was another big fight with her. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, not to, I, I don't think some people have known um, because we don't talk about this stuff on the show. You know, uh, sometimes we do when it ties into a lot of the literature and, and some of the literary ideas that um, I think some of our artists are playing with. But for the most part, you know, we haven't really had a conversation about a lot of the stuff that you've gone through. Um, losing your dad last year was really tough. Um, but then there was an issue where he didn't leave a will and, uh, you know, by, uh, law in the state of Arkansas anyway, um, you were to receive a part of his estate. And so there was a big protracted legal battle over the last year and a half to get your basically inheritance, um, from that estate. And along the way, for over a year, um, your stepmother, who had rights to place a headstone, uh, just wouldn't put a headstone together, wouldn't actually install even just a place for family to go and grieve yeah. um, and getting that that headstone placed was uh, and that even involved a legal battle to get her to, to move and have something in place for the family. Yeah. But yeah, so those those two things were big for this year, but they're done and I couldn't be happier. Yeah. You know, we we have a a headstone that I can go and visit and yeah. It's not just a pile of dirt. I can feel like I can actually truly visit my dad and yeah. the legal battle is over and now I can just grieve and grieving I do. <laughs> <laughs> the holidays are especially tough. Yes, the holidays. I cried quite a bit on Christmas. It just, it doesn't, it does not feel the same without him. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was my year. <laughs> yeah. It it was a struggle, but it was still a good year. Um all of that I'm going back to school. Um yeah. with a few few books mixed in between. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have read more, but school kind of kept me from doing that. It kept me very busy and 
there was probably a month and a half, good month and a half, two months that I just didn't pick up a book at all. But yeah. I, I don't know if that was so much school as it was just depression and grief. But yeah. I'm I'm hoping for a better 24 with uh, more time for for reading and for me and for you and yeah yeah, yeah I I agree I mean uh, my 2023 was also um, in a lot of ways it, it is probably the best year I think I've ever had in my life um, and in a lot of ways it was another very difficult year um, I think you know, a highlight, when I think of the highlight of 2023, it's absolutely the fact that I got to connect with so many different artists and really start to discover my voice as um, as a podcaster, as a critic. Um, 2023 started with uh, <laughs> a different, you know, two, two different co-hosts um, with Jeremy, and he kind of stepped back and let me... Um, take more of a vision for the, for the podcast and that initially involved you um until you know a lot of those waves of grief really hit and and then school came in and it became harder and higher harder to keep up i think for you um and then i you know kind of took over and started doing my own thing um which involved the very generous help of some very smart people who are way more interesting than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and and the podcast, I think, has really taken off in a, direct, a direction that I'm very proud of. And I, I look back on this year and I look back on the conversations that I've had and I look back on the books I read. And I think that in a lot of ways, this really was one of the best years um, for me, just in, in terms of that soul satisfaction, you know, like the like the feeding back into the soul a little bit. Um, and I needed that. In the same breath, I think there have also been a number of different difficulties that we've both had to figure out how to navigate. Um, navigating your grief is really hard for me, no. uh, as we know. Um, trying to work through a lot of that. Watching you uh, go through school in the last semester was also really tough because um, I think that, you know, school was real easy for me in a lot of ways. And I, I don't think that's the case for a lot of other people. Um, and I see the labor that you put in and I, I feel the frustration, you know, that you had going back to school. And I feel like that... Um, was you know difficult there's a stressor there a little bit yeah and i'm i'm very proud of the work that you've done um but uh, you know at the same time like there were days <laughs> when i feel like I, d I just don't know what more um i could do or or contribute you know how else could i um be supportive and on top of that um learning this year too uh, that that I have autism um, and putting that into perspective um, against a lot of your own neurodivergence and the, and the way that we kind of interact. Um, my, my own autism? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, mean... Yeah, in case the listeners don't know, both of us have autism, so it's... 
<laughs> we kind of butt heads. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I don't. I don't think in a way that's bad, um, but certainly a way that that can be challenging, um, because I struggle <laughs> a lot with the same things that you struggle with, and then we come up into a situation where we're both struggling to try to figure it out, and I am, you know, only just understanding more of this in myself and trying to figure out how to navigate. Um, and, and not counteract it, but work through it, work with it, you know. And I, and that's hard. Um, it's hard to go through some of that emer- emotional turmoil and um, simultaneously, you know, being, you know, feeling like I am finding a space in a community I value and I am meeting people that I need their words in my life, you know, um, and in the same breath as I am finding finding this to be edifying, I'm also struggling through these other things that I am working on trying to incorporate, you know, the both of these two worlds together um, to be supportive, you know, to do the right thing, to make the right decisions. And I think that that's a difficult thing for anyone to do. Um, but it's certainly difficult for me. And I think that's just the mix of 2023. I don't feel like it was a bad year. I feel like it was a tough year, but I also think that it was rewarding to go through that process. I understand myself a little bit better at the end of 2023 than I did when I started. And I think that gives me hope for 2024. And puts into scope, at least for me, what I want out of another year. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you think? I mean, do you, do you have similar sentiments to 2023? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, I share, I share your, your sentiment of feeling one way about yourself at the beginning and feeling a different way at the end. Um, why is your stomach still growling? We just ate. <laughs> My stomach. Was <laughs> <laughs> your stomach? <laughs> we just ate, and his stomach is already growling. <laughs> um, I'm hoping next year we continue to to learn together about our autism. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I hope, I don't know, I don't know where I'm trying to go with that sentiment. <laughs> just, we we both have a long way to go to learn about each other. Yeah. Um, and about ourselves. It's it's weird. We've been married for almost 10 years and we're still finding new things. And, and, and I, I, I think a lot about 2024 and I think a lot, especially about how I want to use what I've learned in 2023 to become a better partner in 2024. Not that I think I'm a bad partner, but I recognize the areas of growth. And I think that my commitment, um, at least in my personal life for 2024, uh, is absolutely, you know, how can I make better decisions to become uh, a stronger partner to ensure that the next 10 years of our marriage uh, go really well? Yeah. Well, um, not that the first 10 years were bad or anything, but I, I also reflect back on this decade 
that we've been together. And I think, um, you know, I, I really, I see the room for me to improve as a partner. And I, I want that. Um, I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for, um, the marriage. I, I want that for the show too. I love doing these podcasts with you because yeah. it, it gives me a time. I like to connect in a way that's really genuine in the way that we do connect, which is uh, strongly through literature. Yeah. So let's say we talk about some books because I read a lot of books this year. And... You read double what I read. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, I, I also wasn't going through the particular, uh, you know, kind of emotional roller coaster <laughs> roller coaster that you were going through. So I feel like I had a, a, an easier time focusing in on. I You may have me beat in books read, but I think I have you beat in books bought. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right there. That might be true. Yeah, I don't know. I think that was my... That was my coping mechanism for the year. If I can't read all of the fucking books, I'm going to buy all <laughs> I'm the I'm sure as hell going to buy them. <laughs> I think there was a month or two where I probably bought 20 books. <laughs> do you remember that stack I do. I, re- I, I remember every stack of your books. Yeah. I'd come home and I'd be like, Jesus Christ, this is Did this you is Did you third... rob the bookstore? Yeah, this is the third visit to the bookstore this week. Can we maybe slow down just a little bit? I mean, just this last week, the day after Christmas, they were having their their hardback sale, and I bought eight. <laughs> she came up with a huge stack of books. I mean, to be fair, I bought three books myself. Yeah. But yeah, I would come home, I'd go to the bookstore like two or three times in a couple weeks, and I would come home with 15 books. <laughs> it's just out like, of control. And I'm like, you're not even reading right now. What are you doing? Yeah. Yes, I would what they I am what they call a book dragon. <laughs> I hoard. <laughs> I sit on my books and I hoard them. <laughs> I may not read them for a decade or so, <laughs> but I what's, hoard them. <laughs> what's really funny is that I'll go out and I'll uh <laughs> I'll go and and read one of your books and you get mad. You're like, "Why are you reading my book? I, you're not reading it right now. Why, why do you care so much?" Yes, he has one of my books on his nightstand. How long have you had it? Oh, I don't know. Are we talking several about the months. Katie Robert book? Yes. Yeah, I've had that several months. I, I don't know why I haven't just finished it. My dragon sense it's knows the... that it's not in its home. <laughs> like, it, it needs to be back in its book cart where it belongs with its other books. <laughs> It's brothers and sisters. It needs to go back. <laughs> it's so funny. What's also funny is that um, we'll sit around and and I'll talk about you know like books I like. She talks about books I like, or or books you like, and uh, and you'll come in and you'll show me books and uh, <laughs> like this is the surreal part of my life where uh, you came in the other day. We were talk. We were having a, a discussion about beautiful book covers. Yes, specifically. That was nice. It is a great like one of my favorite nights of the year where we were just talking about like what what is a beautiful book cover like what has sold us books before and we went around the whole house just pulling down books the whole house because literally we have books in every room i have books in the attic um i have books in the kitchen i have books well the only room that doesn't actually have books is the bathroom uh wrong what (laughs) that's gross (laughs) 
I can, I keep a book in the bathroom for when that, there's an emergency. That's gross. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you the title, but it's usually it's usually some some kind of a comic book or something like that. There's a bathroom book. But yeah, there's totally a bathroom book if you ever if you're ever like stranded without your phone or something like that. I've got a bathroom book. Okay, for you. so I retract my statement. Every <laughs> room in the house. Every room in the house has a book. <laughs> I keep I keep a rolling library in my car just in case I need like an emergency like get me out of this <laughs> we get stranded somewhere get me out of book. this weird situation yeah I got a book um anyway but we were pulling down these titles from all over the house and showing each other you know like rating the covers and like what really works what were the aspects that work and and again, like this is the surreal moment of my life where you brought out a book by uh, CSE Cooney and showed it to me. And we're like, oh, my God, I love this cover. And I was like, oh, I'm... <laughs> you were like, you have that book. I was like, you have that book. I've been looking for that book. And I was like, like forever. Dude, I showed you the book when I brought it home months ago. And months you were ago. like, oh, that's nice, dear. I'm like, you don't fucking pay attention half the time. I do pay attention. Well, to be also to be fair, when you buy 15 books in a week, it's it's hard to keep a catalog of everything you have. Well, I definitely showed you that book when I brought it home. Yeah, well, I, I know you did. And then, uh, I, like, in the back of my brain, it was there. But then you were like, yeah, I love this cover. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, I had, if you had paid attention, I had you breakfast could have taken with her. that book and gotten it signed. <laughs> uh, no, you're uh, you're absolutely right, and I'm upset that I I hadn't registered that you had it, because um, I knew I had seen her book somewhere. Like I I know I had seen it somewhere. Yeah, um, but had I was it. like, where was it? It was, it was on your bookshelf the whole time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But but this is the weird surreal part of our lives is. Um, that as the the podcast continues to become more and more of a a thing, and people want to do it, um, I find myself talking to a lot of people, and then you'll bring me a book, and you're like, "I found this book the other day that looks really interesting." I'm all like, "Fucking had lunch with them." Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. I had lunch with them. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It brings me so much joy um, to just like have those kind of serendipitous moments where uh, our worlds kind of collide and, and we really get to connect over something. I feel like that's the beauty of art. Yeah. But, you know, all of this is to say, I read a lot of books. You bought a lot of books. Yep. Uh, but we brought some favorites that we want to talk about and recommend. So we're going to do a top 10 list of our favorite books that we read in 2023. So to set some ground rules. There are rules. Oh, yeah, there were rules. Uh-huh. Number one, these are our favorite books. We're not saying these are the best books that uh, we read in 23 necessarily. We're also not saying that they're the best books that you can find. These are just our favorite reads. The experiences we had really pleasant the book's really good these are things that we would recommend to people okay and rule number two is it's just stuff we read in 23 it it wasn't necessarily published in 23 although a lot of the books on my list did end up being published in 2023 i don't know if mine were doesn't matter it's what we read yeah 
So, uh, Caitlin, hit us off. Number 10. What was your number 10 favorite book of the year? Number 10. A Psalm for the Wild Belt. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, tell us, what is A Psalm for the Wild Belt and why did you love it? Well, our true listeners should know because we did an episode. <laughs> we did a whole episode about A Psalm for the Wild Belt. Yeah. Uh, but from what I can remember, because <laughs> it's been a hot minute, uh, it was about a tea monk mm-hmm. who goes out on a self-discovery journey into the wild, um, where he meets, um, this robot who has been living out in the wild where all the other robots have been living, um, and... Help me fill in the holes. I mean, they have a philosophical discussion yes. about about life. Life. Um, what is life? Yeah. The monk and the robot. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> this That's is, what it was. It was. This is a beautiful book by Becky Chambers, yeah. published in 2021. It just, and at the end of the book, my favorite, favorite part was oh when gosh. the robot serves the monk tea. And I cried like yeah, a baby. I cried. <laughs> it's like he realizes how important what the monk does is what the monk. What am I saying? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he realizes how important the work of the monk is. Do you? What am I trying to say? He, he, he realizes, realizes the importance of the work that the yes. monk is doing. Blah, that can't talk. Um, but yes. And so he serves in the tea, and it's shitty because obviously he doesn't know how to make tea. <laughs> the shitty, shitty tea is so great. Uh, but anyway, exactly he's, where he's, the monk started. Yes, exactly where he started. But he still drinks it, and yeah. Yeah. For the record, I think the monk is a they. Um, yes. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I keep remembering the monk is a they. Yeah. Um. We still need to read the the sequel. Yeah, uh, I've got it sitting on my stack of shelves. Another one of those books that uh, I really wanted to prioritize, but I had to keep doing stuff for the show and uh, couldn't quite get to it. Well, that should be like top of the list for TBR for next year. You're not going to find me arguing because I definitely believe that to be true. Uh, Great pick. For your number 10. Yeah. Might might show up later. What was your 10? (laughs) All right. My number 10 book of the year was The Daughters of Block Island by Krista Carmen. This was published in 2023. It just came out last month. Um, It's available now everywhere. I think you get books. Uh, But but it's from um, Amazon, their publisher, uh, Thomas and Mercer. So... If you're looking for it, you can go and get it. Daughters of Block Island, if you're interested. I did a whole episode interviewing Krista Carmen, talking about this book. It is a gothic um, novel about a girl who goes in search of uh, her sister's killer, basically. Um, She finds out she has a sister that she never knew she had, and she goes out to this Block Island in Rhode Island. Um, in search of like answers, uh, not just to who she was, but what happened to her and why that matters to her, you know, personally. It's very gothic, heavy on the gothic tropes. 
and yet one of the most compelling mysteries I read this year and just great um, fun. I mean, it really dives into what makes the gothic such a compelling genre of um, horror and romance and, you know, kind of this... Uh, like like the gothic the gothic i would say is even a, a genre in and of itself yep um and and so it's not just an exploration of like the gothic and why the gothic i think works as a genre um it's it's a celebration of all of that but it also represents a lot of um this kind of like interpersonal turmoil and explores the need for identity making like the need to understand our traumatic histories if we're going to make sense of who we are it is a beautiful book absolutely loved it um just just compulsively readable and my my conversation with krista carmen where we talked all about the gothic it was just one of my favorite moments of the year i loved that book so my number 10 is the daughters of block island how about your number nine? My number nine, and this really, like, my last three, my nine, eight, and seven weren't really, like, I didn't specifically put them in this order for any reason. It was just kind of like these were thrown on the list together because sure, they're the same author, uh, but it was The Return by oh. Rachel Harrison. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, hit us with some knowledge. What's The Return about? So The Return is about a uh, girl's trip to a um, hotel. Yeah. If I remember correctly, hotel. Like up, it's like a weird theme hotel, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird theme hotel. Um, Upstate New York. Well, first, before they go to the hotel, uh, the, this group of friends have a friend that just suddenly went missing. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a year later, she surprisingly comes back. Yeah. And then, so, like, as a celebration, they decide, oh, let's have a girls' trip weekend. And so they all get together and they go to this hotel. And these weird, strange things start happening yeah. over this weekend trip. And it just, it's one weird thing after the other. And, yeah, it is on keeps you on the edge of your seat uh, it's very thrilling yeah. yeah um it's probably one of the creepiest books i think rachel harrison has written written yes um it was her first book published i believe and it's a i mean it's a ride <laughs> it's a it's a it gave me um the overlook hotel yes. vibes yeah mm-hmm yeah. that's what it gave me when i was reading it yeah i think the other thing i liked about it is it's it's actually really funny. Yes. <laughs> it's like... The it, friends as, are very quirky and the dynamic yes. between all of them. And the dialogue is so lovely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm in agreement with you. Um, Harrison just gets better and better as a writer. Every book I read from her. And uh, I love The Return. Yeah. That's a really good book. Great pick. Yeah. And as we know, I picked it off the shelf because it was hot pink. Yeah, you did. But... And, then, and then I read it. <laughs> before you did it was another one of those books that i was like oh this looks really good <laughs> and, I, and i read it and uh you got mad at me for reading that one before you read yeah it. it's one of my pet peeves mm -hmm. don't read one of my books before i read it yep but 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, my number nine was Graveyard of Lost Children by Katrina Monroe. This was another book that came out in 2023. It's going to be a trend. A lot of what I read this year was actually written this year. Um, Graveyard of Lost Children is about a mother. She's she's about to become a new mother. Uh, no, actually, I think she she has become a mother. Like she's just recently a mother. Um, but there's some mental illness that runs in her family. Previously, her mother um, had attempted to kill her when she was a child because she, she thought that she was a changeling. And so the, the book is really um, nerve-wracking because, for one, it is all about motherhood and kind of the stresses of becoming a mother and the way that you know your identity kind of shifts around you but it's also a book that looks at mental illness specifically and how that tends to run in families and the anxieties that we carry as um kind of the the uh, inheritors if you will of um our parents and and all of their anxieties and all of their um, neuroses and uh, the way that mental illness can kind of pass sometimes from generation to gen generation. It is a beautifully written book, um, had some of the strongest prose I felt of the books that I read this year. Another one of those books that I just couldn't seem to put down. It was really quite scary. And uh, again, I recorded an episode with Katrina Monroe talking about the book. So if you want to look back on some of our previous episodes, you can find that conversation with Katrina. Um, I absolutely adore her work. Uh, we're not going to be ton talking about her in this episode together, you and I. But uh, Graveyard of Lost Children was a phenomenal book, a really unsettling and compelling story about motherhood that I highly recommend to anyone who was looking for a read number eight how'd you do such sharp teeth <laughs> i'm not even remotely surprised by this one uh we're probably gonna hear this one again from me i'm not gonna spoil it we're gonna hear it again from me yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was such sharp teeth. Um, how did it hit you? Like, tell us where it lives for you. What's it about? Uh, about a girl that gets attacked. Um, and she wasn't. Remind me, like, if I'm saying something wrong, but she gets attacked and she doesn't remember, like, realize what it was. Yeah. But then it turns out it was a werewolf. Yep. And so she's going through all of these changes, and this book hit me hard. Because yeah. of the way that it um, kind of speaks to sexual assault. Yeah. Um, uh, it hit me the same way, Kate. Yeah. Uh, made me sob like a baby. Yeah. Um, but the changes that she goes through that nobody realizes she's going through because you can't just come forth and be like, hey, I was bit by a werewolf. Right. Um, just like it's so difficult to come forward and talk about sexual assault yeah or or any of the number of other things um that you know can go through that, that a woman can go through with regards to her body and her agency yeah um but yeah so the book is about her changing 
and going through this process of learning to adjust being a werewolf and yeah but anyway it's it was such a good book um a phenomenal uh, achievement for sure this one was published in 2022 um late last year it's only about a year old um i mean golly i i think she's written a classic I, like honestly i i am hard pressed to find a book that i think is going to withstand the the test of time quite like such sharp teeth uh, for yeah. me she completely changed the game of how I think about werewolves. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I'm totally in agreement with you. What a, an, an incredible pick. Yeah. yeah. Well, my number eight book was Corporate Body by R.A. Busby. This came out in 2023, early this year. It is a novella. It is one of the grossest books I read this year. And that's one of the things that's memorable about it. It's about a guy who's super poor and he signs up for a research experiment so he can earn some money. And the research experiment is to make him the host to a whole bunch of worms, basically. <laughs> Gross. It is so punk rock. Um, in the way that it thinks about uh, bodies and the commodification of people for corporate wealth. And um, Busby just, like, I don't know, she writes with this kind of um, angst that I don't think I have seen replicated in a whole lot of different books. It is a book that is so like deliciously emotionally complex and there is a tenderness to this novella that you wouldn't think about a book about a dude full of fucking worms man it's um such a bizarre kind of experience to read something that is both gross and yet deeply endearing and transgressive but extraordinarily hopeful it balances this stuff so amazingly well and it was a it's a book that I still haven't talked uh, or, or or not talked it's a book I still haven't stopped talking about it's a book that I still haven't stopped thinking about since I read it back in like February or March um, and again I have a conversation recorded with R.A. Busby so if you're interested in hearing that convo uh, you can go back climb back quite a ways um but we talk about corporate body and some of the things that r.a busby was really um interested in in crafting the book and it is gross as hell but my gosh is it such an incredibly good experience i really recommend this book i think it speaks to me in a lot of the ways that I value literature talking to me. I feel a sneeze coming on. Watermelon. Thank you. <laughs> Number seven. Cackle. I'm not surprised. Why am I not surprised? Oh, I love cackle. Uh, <laughs> Man, I don't know. I don't know what my favorite book from from Rachel Harrison is. 
I mean, I, I mean, I, I think I know what my favorite is. I think it's cackle. But cackle's so good. Tell us why you love cackle so much. So Kaggle's about this uh, school teacher that moves to a new little small town. Um, it gives off Gilmore Girl vibes. Totally, yeah. This small little town. Um, and she makes quick friends with this woman who, I don't even know how to describe her. She's just, everybody in the town kind of almost is scared of her. Yeah. But uh, turns out she's a witch. Yeah. And <laughs> so I guess they have good reason to fear her. Yeah. Um, it's like that song. Is it by Devin Cole? Uh, which woman in total control of herself? I don't know that song. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, so she makes friends with this witch. And she, you know, at first has no clue that she's a witch. And anyway, then slowly... Well, I don't want to give it away, but she she slowly learns that she herself is not so human, and it's just so cute and yeah. I don't I just I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's yeah, just, I mean, it's cozy horror. Cozy horror. That's what I meant to say. It's just cozy horror. You I, just I want to wrap up in a blanket and drink hot cocoa and watch the leaves out my window. It's just. Yeah, and like maybe hang out with ghosts and spiders. Yes, I don't like spiders, but there is oh my god, there's an adorable spider in this book <laughs> that the witch that she makes friends with has as a pet, or maybe just a friend. I don't know if it's a pet, but it makes you like not afraid of spiders. <laughs> yeah, there's this it's, little spider. That, it's the cute little mascot spider. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you you just want to cuddle with it. Yeah. Oh I yeah. Absolutely loved this book. Yeah. Uh it it's um you you have two copies of this uh, book. Yes, I have two copies. I first obviously bought the paperback that yeah. you can find everywhere at Barnes and Noble. And then when we were in Florida, I found in this cute little bookstore the hardback that has a different cover. And I was like, I have to have this. Yeah. What what's funny is actually I think I bought the copy of Cackle and you stole it. Um you were like, There's there ain't no way that you're keeping this book uh, and you just rescued it from my my <laughs> my side have. of the library. You did. I know you did uh, yeah. because you, you had the return. You you bought the return and I bought Cackle um, because we, we were both kind of like learning about Rachel Harrison's work um, together, all, like almost at the same time. And you we went, were getting ready for her interview. It, it was actually even before we asked for an interview, because um, you you bought the return way back when. Oh yeah, I bought the return way before we started the podcast, and 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 I had heard an episode from uh, Agatha Andrews on She Wore Black talking specifically about Cackle, and I was like, you know what, this sounds like a book that I would actually really enjoy reading. So I went out and I bought it and I read it. And I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. And I handed it over to you. I was like, you have to read this book. Um, and immediately after, I started consuming everything Rachel Harrison has written. And I don't I do not do that with authors. Like, I, I don't go out of my way to, like, read everything they've written. Uh, but I did for Rachel Harrison because her work is incredible. Yeah. A great choice for number seven. Um, I love cackle that's a an awesome book 
Well, my number seven was Nestlings by Nat Cassidy. Also came out in 2023 in November. Nestlings is about a couple that move into a new apartment in like a, a historic and very prestigious building. And as they are living there, they come to find out that the building is infested with a whole bunch of evil creatures. <laughs> and it's um, it is a very Jewish story, but it is also a story about kind of like trying to find one's space and and trying to kind of like take ownership of one's um uh, like like one's space in society even um you know what do you value is it is it prestige is it um you know is it uh uh camaraderie with like the rich and the powerful um is it family you know is it uh is it love? And, and I think that the book grapples with some really heavy ideas and really heavy um, emotional conflicts in a way that I don't see fiction do super often. It is scary as hell, which I absolutely loved, but it is fierce and unflinching in how it inspects the um, kind of trials of <laughs> like dealing with loss and trauma um, and, and the tension of, you know, your love for someone. What would you actually do for that person? Um, but also what are the limitations of of your love as it resorts to, you know, how you care for them and, and what you can give to them? It's a a really profound book in a lot of ways and it surprised me in just how complex it can all really feel i adored it i devoured it in like two days on the beach um and i i just you know couldn't put it down um totally loved it if you missed that episode which i don't i don't think <laughs> based on our numbers I don't think anybody missed that episode, but uh, you can, again, go back and listen to my conversation with Nat Cassidy uh, because it's a really fucking good book. Um, and Nat is a really brilliant writer and a very unique voice. And I definitely, definitely think um, it's uh, just a fantastic read. So that was my number seven for the year. How about your number six? So this is also six and five go together, but would it be weird to do them together? No, I can, I can give you a one, two punch too, if you want. Um, so my two that go together, uh, called to the deep and song of Lorelei. Oh yeah. 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 By Desiree. Desiree Nicoli. Yeah. Yeah. My BFF. <laughs> I'm glad. It Love you, Desiree. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she listens into this episode. Yes. For sure, yeah. Tell us about what this duo, you know, this kind of duology is all about. So this was, uh, like, she called it eco-horror. Yeah. Um, so uh, Called to the Deep was book one. Um, it's about a woman who... Um, was part of a shipwreck 
and she's the only survivor and she doesn't know why um but she was rescued by this um this other ship and the captain of the ship is kind of smitten with her hmm. and um and he's hunky too yeah he's hunky <laughs> um, well anyway so her and this captain are trying to figure out um you know what is like why she was the only survivor and it turns out that she actually has uh like mermaid dna mm-hmm. she's part mermaid and so they like she has her first transformation because she starts she has nowhere to go um she has like no family and so she's staying with him anyway she has her first transformation like oh my god i'm a mermaid what's going on (laughs) um so anyway the book is you know her going through this and him helping her and of course they're falling in love and trying to um trying to figure all of it out but it's not like the little mermaid it's not like <laughs> what you would imagine like she has claws and mm-hmm. sharp teeth yeah. and she craves human flesh right and so they are trying to figure out with the help of um um, if I remember correctly, Desiree, forgive me if I forget. It's been a hot minute. Um, I believe it is. Uh, it's not his sister. I think it's just a. It's a family friend. She is a. Um, uh, biologist. Marine, bi- Marine biologist. Yes. Yeah. Um, she's helping her figure out how to curve her cravings. Yeah. Um. For human flesh, yeah, that kind of makes your love life a little difficult. <laughs> when every time you wanna wanna get frisky, you also want to eat him. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, so yeah, that was kind of book one, and then book two, they finally find. Oh, well, let me back up. They also they have to deal because there are actual mermaids that mm. live under the sea that they have to contend with. Right. Um that are part of her family that she was unaware of. So they deal with that in book one. And then book two, they find, they're trying to find a cure for the hunger. And it continues um, Lorelai's story with her beau. And sure. Anyway, I just absolutely devoured those books. I, I know. <laughs> you couldn't stop. If you are interested in listening to a conversation between Caitlin and Desiree. Yes, listen to our two-hour episode. There is an (laughs) unfiltered, unhinged two-hour episode uh, between Caitlin and Desiree talking about all of these things. It's actually a really fun and cute and sweet uh, conversation that that deals with a a really broad range of topics. both really interesting books, I think. And I i mean, I love Desiree. She's such a sweet person. And uh, great choices. I, I like that for your number five and number six. Yeah. My choices are a little bit different. For my number six, I chose Night's Edge by Liz Karen. I this need is, to read that book. Oh my gosh, you do. This book came out in 2023 and it blew me away. Re 
invigorated my interest in vampire fiction single-handedly. It is a I book. I have so much vampire fiction for you to read. I, I know, but I'm telling you right now, I don't think anything can hold a candle to how Liz Karen handles it. This book is about a girl whose mother is turned into a vampire, and it goes through her trying to reclaim some of her life after this traumatic event. It deals with so much stuff, not the least being a trauma, but it's also kind of a coming-of-age story. And um, it, it, it is just all about this girl trying to navigate her obligation to her mother, who is kind of a monster in a way, um, but also trying to navigate her own kind of coming into herself um, and what that means for herself after living um, under, you know, that kind of this trauma environment for so long. It is a beautiful book. It's so fucking sad. <laughs> but it's so compelling and dark and messy and just beautiful. I absolutely adore this book. And the sequel is coming out in 2024. Um, spoiler alert, it's one of my anticipated, most anticipated reads of, of 2024. I can't wait to get my hands on this book uh, to the point that like I'm shaking people down on the street being like, have you heard? <laughs> Don't traumatize people Do you like know that. where my book is? Like, <laughs> I keep talking to, to Liz <laughs> like, every week. I'm like, my book's not here yet. <laughs> Stop traumatizing people, Trevor. I just, I need the sequel so bad because this book was so goddamn good. Um, just, just absolutely blew my mind. I, I, I love it. I love every line of it, every little, like, bitey, <laughs> like, cut to the heart line of it. I just absolutely think it's wonderful. It's like I wish. I wish um, Twilight could have been this fucking good <laughs> because like I never. Hey, at the time it I, was. I never would have left the, the vampire sphere if all of the vampire books were this good. There's just no way. It's so wonderful. Um, yeah. So Night's Edge, that was my number six. My number five pick was The Clackety by Laura Senf. This is actually a children's book. It was published last year. The sequel. um the, the Night Housekeeper came out uh, this year, and it's the Clackety is just a it, it is a beautiful, almost classical uh, children's horror novel about a girl with some anxiety who has to face her major fears in order to save um, a person she loves. And so she goes into kind of this. Um, nightmare world and and has some adventures there where she has to confront some pretty messed up stuff um, it's a children's book so it's not like it's ever like super duper dark um, but it's it's fun and it's quirky and it's funny and it's so full of heart this book gave me Neil Gaiman vibes all over um, up and down through the book I devoured it I cried through it because there were some moments that I felt were so powerful and so beautiful it really reminded me of the power of storytelling and the beauty of literature as art altogether 
I told her and I told uh, Ali Malinenko both, I wish that I had discovered their books before, um, you know, 36. Like, I, I really wish I had had these books when I was a kid because both of them write so beautifully and they write stories that are so powerful. And the Clackety is just one of those books. When I look at it, I all I can see is a piece of art. All I can see is just um, a marvelous story that I hope to give my nieces and my nephews as they grow older. Um, I can't wait to introduce them to this book. And I am like just <sighs> I'm the luckiest person on earth uh, to have had a moment to, to talk to Laura Sen. Um, and discuss her literature with her and, and to talk about um, about childhood in, in literature. It's uh, just one of my favorite moments of, of 2023, all of these um, uh, favorite moments. So, yeah, uh, if you want to hear more about Night's Edge, I recorded an episode with Liz Karen. We talk all about the messy stuff in her book. And if you want to hear more from Laura Senf, I talked to Laura Senf earlier this year in an episode where we talk about the Clackety and we talk about its sequel um, and we talk about children's literature and just why I think this art matters. All great conversations, I felt, and um, books that, again, I, these are some of the books, best books I've ever read, let alone um, just some of the, my favorite books that I've read this year. Hit us with some number four. Okay, so number four was a reread. This oh, was, this was okay. not my first read, but it will always be a favorite. Heartstopper. Oh gosh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, hit us up. Why was this so impactful for you this year? Well, Heartstopper will never not be impactful. <laughs> I mean, it will always be relevant. I mean, it will always be important. Um, so, obviously, if you don't know what Heartstopper is, it's about Nick and Charlie. Um, Charlie is um, this gay kid in high school who um, falls for Nick, this kid who he at first thinks is straight. Turns out he's bi. Well, he realizes he's bi after meeting Charlie. Right. Um, and the, it's a graphic novel, um, but the whole graphic novel is just, like, this, their love story. It's yeah. them meeting, and Nick realizing that he's not straight, and that he has all of these beautiful feelings for Charlie, and it's also the, like, you get background information about Charlie and everything he's been through being bullied for, you know, being a gay out kid in high yeah. school. And the struggles that they go through and, you know, Nick Googling, you know, how do you know if you're gay? Yeah. It's just, it's beautiful. It's sad. It's, it's everything. You feel the entire <laughs> spectrum of emotions reading mm. this. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just beautiful. Yeah. It makes you cry. And I, I definitely welled up several times reading, reading uh, the book. There, there were some points I had to put the book down and, and really just cry it out. And this is just book one. I just <laughs> bought book five just came out. 
It like did. a week ago. Yes, that's you are correct. I I said it w- it wouldn't be out until next year, um, but I was wrong. It did come out this year, just not when we thought it was coming out. Yeah. If you want to hear more about our reaction to Heartstopper and our deep dive discussion into some of its themes and its ideas, we did a whole series. We've done uh, the first two books now, right? Have we done the third? No, I don't think we've done that. No, I think we just did the first two. Well, you still need to read the rest of them. I read number three uh, in in anticipation of another episode. We just never got to record it because of life. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to do an episode for three, three four, four, and five now. Yeah. And five. Um, yeah, I highly recommend that book too. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't show up on my list, but it is a very beautiful book, and I'm really glad that you highlight it um, because I think that that is a great choice for number four. I mean, I'm so obsessed with it. I had Trevor buy me a freaking little cute vinyl figurine thing I did for, for Christmas. Christmas that's what I got you it's Nick and Charlie sitting at their little desks at school and I put it in front of all of their little books on my bookshelf yeah it's so stinking cute it is really stinking cute well uh, surprising absolutely no one my number four choice was such sharp teeth by mm-hmm. Rachel Harrison I mean I don't I'm, I'm not gonna like necessarily add anything to what you already said because I I it's just a fucking great book. Um, it, it, it does stuff with werewolves that I've never seen done before. Um, and, and I think that it's just so intelligent. Again, it's the same kind of trademark wit that I've come to expect from Rachel. Um, it's, it's beautifully written, powerfully emotive. It's funny, uh, but it, it doesn't veer so far into comedy that you can't still understand the horror and still understand um you know the 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 response to the trauma um i know that you saw yourself reflected in this story i myself have had um a similar experience and i i resonated really strongly with this as well and um talking with you about the book i think was my favorite thing about having read it and then we also talked to rachel harrison about the book um earlier this year so if you're interested in hearing that conversation too you can go back and you can hear our conversation talking to rachel harrison about such sharp teeth and some of her other work we hope to have her on the show again when we can get our shit together. <laughs> get your shit together. Get your shit together. We need to read uh, uh, because Black we need, Sheep. We need to talk about Black Sheep, and we got to talk about um, uh, her new one, So Thirsty. Yes. Oh, do another vampire book. Can't wait. <laughs> she. I, I, let me put it this way. I've not read a single thing that hasn't just blown my socks off. She's so good. She's such a singular voice in, in fiction. And she's consistently hitting for me all of the notes I want out of a book. Her voice is so good. She gets better and better every single book. I have yet to read a book where I'm like, that was only okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she may be my... I I, I still think that, like, my favorite writer writing right now is probably Amakatsu. But, I mean, Rachel Harrison may be one of the best writers that I've ever had the privilege of of meeting and talking to. I believe it. Hit us with a number three, Kate. I don't know if you're ready for number three. Oh, boy. Is this a spicy one? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let's go. This is the only spicy one on my list. Really? The only one? Did you do that because you were like trying to be considerate of our audience or were you really just like... Uh, it's the only one that that really stood out in yeah. a crowded year for me. I mean, me. with all the other good books I read, this was the only spicy that, like, really stood out. Okay. All right. So it was That Sick Love by Jessica Hall. Okay. This was... I I don't even think you've talked to me about this one before. I probably have when you just don't remember. Maybe that's possible, but I feel like a lot of the time you will read a spicy book and at most what I learn is like your enchilada score. <laughs> We've changed the rating scale. We changed y'all. the rating scale by the way. <laughs> uh so if we're using the enchilada scale, this is like two pans. <laughs> Okay, let's explain the enchilada (laughs) scale, because I think this will catch on. I think this is going to be the most consistent rating scale. (laughs) So my my concept here, I pitched it to Caitlin. We were trying to figure out how how to represent how much we like a book in terms of enchiladas, because I'm a I'm a huge fan of enchiladas. Right. So a one enchilada read is like that's not enough fucking enchiladas get this out of my i'm not even gonna waste my time because even if that one enchilada is very good it's not gonna be fulfilling it's just gonna leave me hungry for something else and fuck your enchilada just get it out of my face a two enchilada meal is like all right we can kind of maybe start building around it but it's missing components it's not a meal in and of itself three enchiladas though that's a benchmark yeah. like that's that's we can start we can really start in on like this is we can plan around three enchiladas you know what i mean like that's that's some some substance and then there's a pan of enchiladas which is like all we, right we went from three to a pan yeah three to a pan yeah a pan of enchiladas is like this is company worthy right like i may eat all of this shit myself but I'm going to tell you how good this was. And then two two enchilada pans is like bring the whole fucking crowd. <laughs> you know, like like these are so good I'm sharing it with everyone I know. Um it, that's so that was the concept of the enchilada scale. So you're saying this is a two pan yep. affair. Yep. This is a two pan event. Yep. Everybody like bring your bring your dog, husband and kids. Yeah. Maybe not the kids. Not but. the kids. Kids don't need to read this. Um, yeah, okay. And on a, a spice scale, like, I don't think they make chili peppers hot enough. <laughs> what, what is the hottest pepper These in the are world? the spiciest. <laughs> I don't know. But these are the, these are the spiciest a ghost enchiladas pepper? around. Is Maybe it a ghost? Go- it might be a ghost pepper. pepper. Yeah. This deserves a ghost pepper. <laughs> I think out of... All of the books. And mind you, I still haven't read Den of Vipers. All right. <laughs> so I don't know how this compares to that. But you know the other shit I've read. I do know the other shit you've read. Oh, this, God. this is up there. So far, <laughs> of everything I've read, this is it. <laughs> do I even want to ask what's in here? Because I'm... <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm afraid of knowing. I'm afraid we're gonna lose some some audience. No, members. it's not like I don't know. It's not like <laughs> that kind of depraved. It's not like eating each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just 
Yeah, it's one of those. I can't wait to talk with Gabby on uh, when we do on our show, sip and yeah, smut sip on and our smut, show. Yeah. Coming it's soon after your coming school. so yeah coming soon. Um, so when I start talking about it, you might remember it. It's I about might, yeah. the girl who she is the closest thing to a female clergy. Like she went. I to do s- recall this. Yes, yeah. she mm. went. She went uh, to a school and became like a female clergy, and right. like she's the first one to ever have done it. Right. And like the men in the town are not okay with it, and they're apparently like trying to do their best to to get rid of her. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, um, and she- they hold many pantsless parties in her room. No. <laughs> <laughs> She gets a stalker. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) So now you're remembering? I'm remembering bits and pieces, yeah. We have discussed this. Okay, so she gets a stalker. And at first, she she doesn't know how to feel about it. You know, nobody wants a stalker. And, um... But, uh... The stalker is, uh... He was actually hired by one of the men that's trying to get rid of her. And... But then when he sets eyes on her and he realizes why they're trying to get rid of her, he takes matters in, into his own hands and he's like, no, she's not going to be touched. She's going to be mine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know how it yeah. goes. Yeah, like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But this book is just... So he's actually... He realizes how corrupt the church is that's trying their damnedest to end her. And so he is, he's trying to turn her, he's trying to get her to see the corruption, but he's doing it in a very depraved way. Like every day when he visits her Mm -hmm. room, Mm -hmm. he's leaving her, he's kind of like you in the way that he knows the Bible inside and out. Sure. And he's leaving her cryptic messages with Bible verses. Yeah. And. Especially the one that. (laughs) I was going to make a joke. I'm not going to make that joke anymore. Okay, don't make that joke. (laughs) (laughs) It involves some deep cut Bible verses that are very inappropriate. (laughs) So anyway, he's he's trying to bring her to his side of of seeing things. And anyway, um, yeah, let's just say there is a scene where... (laughs) They go to a confessional booth. <laughs> she goes to confess. Uh-huh. And turns out the clergyman that she, or the priest or whatever it is that she's trying to confess to, he's one of the men trying to kill her. And her stalker is there. And he's in, he's hiding in the booth that she goes in. Yikes. And she doesn't realize it. And anyway, she ends up sitting in his lap. Whoops. And Oopsie doopsie. Yeah. While she's confessing her sins. She may as well just sin while you're there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How very Catholic of you. Yes. <laughs> they get a little freaky deaky in the confessional booth right before he kills the clergyman <laughs> while he is inside her. No. This is too much information. <laughs> Too many informations, Caitlin. Yes. Wow. That's just, that's kind of how depraved it can get at times. Too 
two enchilada pans. Two enchilada pans. Oh, Everybody yeah. needs to know. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, what a choice. What was the name of that one? That Sick Love. That Sick Love by Jessica Hall. Yeah. All right. Well, my, my number three uh, is probably just as fucked up. <laughs> I don't know if it's as fucked up. But you I don't know. We can try getting pretty fucked up over here. My number three was called Tell Me I'm Worthless by Alison Rumfit. This was published this year, um, early this year in like, uh, I think, February. I don't, I don't know how to describe this book. It's about um, a queer woman and a trans woman who had a friend. They went into a haunted house and the haunted house terribly, terribly fucked them up. Uh, and left them with unhealed trauma that they don't know how to navigate. And years later, they find one of their friends is missing. They got to kind of try to confront exactly what happened to them. Uh, and so they return to the house and have to relive their trauma and their horror. It is all kinds of wild. Uh, at its core, though, it is really a book about the kind of nefarious way that fascism can kind of slip into our communities and shape our discourse, especially in the ways that we think about women and and we think about uh, sex and gender, um, especially uh, transgendered people. This is an incredible book, an emotionally horrifying and trauma-inducing book. It is the only book that I have ever read where I look at trigger warnings and I actually think you should probably read and respect these trigger warnings. Um, not because, you know, they're not there uh, to, to um, insult you, you know, like it really is there because this is really deeply unsettling and troubling horror. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And there's no shame in not reading it. Um, but at the same time, it bears uh, reading. It bears thinking about. It bears, you know, like like a response. We, we are living in a moment where it is um, more and more difficult to look out onto the world and see what we want represented in the world represented. It feels like we are driving ourselves to this fascist cliff, and there are real repercussions for that sort of thing. And by not confronting the, and having the conversation that we need to have about how this fascist discourse slips into our popular media and shapes public perception. If we're not having that conversation, we are allowing fascism to continue to seed and root itself in our society. And too soon, all too soon, we will not be able to do something against it. It is a beautiful book. It is a, a, a deeply unsetting book. It is the only book on this list that I will tell you I think is one of the best books I've read this year, but also a book I will never reread because it is too, like, like too existentially um, draining and demanding. It is so 
like like the hurt is so raw in this book I just don't know if I can put my heart through it a second time but it is an immaculately written just extraordinarily beautiful uh, work of art and I I I just so highly recommend it even though I also recognize it's gonna fuck you up and you you kind of have to go into the book being like all right let's get fucked up um but also know like it's not just there to hurt you right it, it is there to get you to think and um man I just I can't think of of a more worthy cause of art you know than than to exist to get you to think yeah well how about your number two book Number two and number one go together. Oh, boy. Do you have any honorable mentions that we need to save some space for? Or are we just going for it? Just going for it. All right. Hit us up. What's that number two and number one, Caitlin? Uh, number one, number two is uh, Fourth Wing and Iron Flame. Oh, boy. Hot take time. Tell us. Uh, I, I mean, we... I think anybody who's going to read this book has probably already read it. Um, I would hope so. <laughs> if not, spoiler alert. What's the skinny, just like a couple sentences of uh, of the, the premise, and why were these your favorites for the year? Hmm, let me try to give a fast overview of this. Um, Iron Flame was about a war college that um, kind of gave me like Hunger Games and uh, Divergent kind of gave me a mix okay. of those two. Yeah, okay. Um, you go to this war college and you're either like a scribe or a healer or um, a writer. Um, by writer, you have a dragon. Um, and, of course, Violet, the main character, she is uh, chosen, or I guess her mother forces her to be a writer so she uh she gets a dragon actually she gets two dragons and she gets the most powerful dragon and gotta love those yeah anyway she gets a dragon and uh falls in love with her wing leader yeah the guy that's a year older than her and anyway it's just it's a i don't know how else to describe it it's just an epic fantasy Epic fantasy and and romanticy, yeah. Yeah, it's a romanticy. Sure. It just you have to read it for yourself. Listen, if you haven't heard about this book, like where have you been? Where have you been? <laughs> Under a fucking rock. This was like one of the biggest book of the year. Like like yeah. it it and it's not even close. <laughs> like like not even close. Whatever book you think is the biggest book of the year, you're wrong. It's this one. It's fourth wing. It's fourth wing. <laughs> and then Iron Flame was the follow up, and it just. Yeah. Iron Flame was good, but Fourth Wing, Fourth Wing was just the best. Knocked it out apart for you. Yeah, they both end on cliffhangers where you're just like, <gasps> yeah. Yeah, I, I can't it. believe I have to wait a year for uh, the the next no, that's book. That's how it goes. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, and I can't believe people were actually debating that I they mean, wondered if this shit was written by AI. There, I'm like, you've got that, to be fucking kidding there me. There was that debate, yeah. I don't know. I haven't read it, so I can't chime in on it. I don't. I don't know if I'll ever get to it. Not. Not because I don't think that it's it's good, or you know, like I know it's popular. Um, I just. I don't know. It, it's not normally the thing that I think would 
like that I'd really connect with. I could be wrong. I'm, I could be totally wrong. But I also think like everybody complaining about like, oh, I think this is AI. Uh, I don't know. Is it? I'm not really sure. I don't know if they know how books work in, in, in publishing. It just, there's too much going on for it to be AI. Hmm. I mean, there's just the world building and all the characters and there's just way too much going on. There's hmm. too much nuance. Yeah. I just, it's, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was definitely my number one for the year. Wow. By far. Blew everything else out of the water. Wow. That's, uh, that's strong. That's the. That's I mean, not to say that the rest of it wasn't good. No, 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 no. I I believe you. I but. knowing the quality of the books that you've chosen on on this list, um, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that these are your two favorites, because I I do think that, like, you couldn't put them down, e- even in the midst of like the semester where you were just like, at the most uh, pressured. I think um, you couldn't put these two books down. Like like you devoured them, instantaneously. Yeah. The last time that I devoured books that hard was at Qatar. Right. And that was like last year. Yeah, that was last year. <laughs> Which yeah. I am going into 2024. I'm, my goal is to get through Throne of Glass. Yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm worried I'm going to devour it like I did at Yeah, you might. <laughs> you might. You might. You know, that's kind of fun though. It's fun to be swallowed up by a book like that. Yeah. Those books are big. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you have to tandem read two of them. Oh gosh, count me out. <laughs> I I don't have the the bandwidth. Well, my favorite books, and uh, we're gonna have to come back for another episode, you and me, talking about our twenty twenty four reads. But my uh, second favorite book was A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. Yours was that high up? It's that high up. This is a life changing book. We talked all about A Psalm for the Wild Bill, you and I, together in an episode very early this year. And we talked about all of the many things that this book kind of comes to represent for me. Um, the questions that it it left um, for me to, to, to chew through. Specifically about, like, what is even the purpose of living? Um, as someone who has struggled for so long with mental health problems... And, and someone who has been suicidal um, for much more of his life than uh, not suicidal. I think that... I do remember us talking about that and me saying, now that I've read this book, I yeah. can understand. Because I know you have wondered for so long, what is the purpose of life? What is the meaning? Yeah. How do I fit? Yeah. And, and, and this book tackles that. Tackles that existential angst in a way that is both both serious about it but also playful with it you know like like it's funny and it's heartwarming and at the same time i broke down i had a full-on breakdown emotionally after finished this book where i just couldn't stop myself from weeping it it, it was so beautiful and it it was like it, it finally someone else put down on paper the questions that I have about how I feel about things. I just need to bring you a good cup of tea. Yeah, and just like, just unapologetically was just like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes it's fucking hard. But also, why are you measuring your life in terms of what it's for 
as opposed to just measuring it for what it is. Yep. And 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 the beauty, the simplicity and complexity, uh, just just uh, uh, oxymoronically, in that idea, you know, the the the, the dialectical approach of of the um, kind of absurdity and the, the logic of that, that statement um, of that idea. I, I just, all of it, it just works. It works on me so well. And, and compounding that was the fact that I got to share that book with my friends and have that conversation and share it with you and sit in this very booth that we're in right now and talk about that. I, I just, um, I can't let it go. And I think that it really is a book that gave me so much more perspective. And um, I just uh, like love it for that. Unapologetically love it for that. So it was one of my favorite reading experiences of the year. Um, I do have some honorable mentions. I'm not going to break every single one of them down, but I am going to talk about them because I can't not. These were books that didn't necessarily rank um, <clears throat> in like my top 10, but they're so good that uh, I would be remiss not to just address them very quickly. So uh, Boys in the Valley by Philip Fricasse, uh, great kind of like a classic sort of horror. Um, it, it played with some common tropes in a way that I felt was really compelling. And at the end of the day, it's just a really good story. Salt Grows Heavy by Cassandra Kaw. Absolutely beautiful prose. Ah, just gorgeous prose. Kaw really drives, I think, to push themselves further and further in what they can accomplish through how they write. And the story, which is kind of a romance between this plague doctor and a mermaid. Um, not a regular mermaid, but like a scary mermaid. Yeah. Um, it, it was just really compelling, and I really liked it. It didn't overstay its welcome, and it was just a really memorable read. Schrader's Chord by Scott Leeds. This is about a family that um, finds a, a set of records that can open up a portal to the land of the dead. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird book. It's kind of a throwback book. Um, it has some great horror elements. It's full of great heart. It's a Christmas book. <laughs> It's just, it hit a lot of the things that I like out of genre literature. And um, it's it, it's just fun. It's like, like heartwarming. It is, um, it's just good. You know, when you just read something and you're like, man, I could do more of that. <laughs> like that yeah. was, yeah, that was Schrader's Chord for me uh, with Scott Leeds. Um, the Scourge Between Stars with Ness Brown. Um, this is a book about a lady captain on a starship that's gone, uh, kind of breaks down in the middle of space, and there's an intruder on the ship. And they have to try to figure out how are we going to navigate this new problem. It gives off major alien vibes in a very good way, but it also raises some interesting existential questions about human life as we continue to kind of destroy our own planet and what our future looks like. It's very hopeful in spite of its horror roots. And it's just fun. I really, really enjoyed the hell out of that book. And then Candy Cane Kills by Brian McCauley. I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention Brian McCauley in every fucking episode I do. 
because his stuff is so good. Um, he brings so much heart into a book and Candy King Kills operates really well as a slasher. It's got all of the crazy kills that you want in a horror book, but it is also packed with character. I don't know how he he's a fucking wizard. Um, he just came in and packed, packed emotion and and full throated character arcs into a novella, which is insane. A novella where all of the people die. I don't know how he does it. Um, so amazing. And if you're interested in any of those books, I interviewed uh, like half of them. Um, I did an episode with Brian McCauley, Ness Brown, Scott Leeds, and Philip Fricasse. So if you're interested in knowing more about those books and more about some of the themes and ideas in them, go back into our back catalog. They're all there. You, you can listen into the, those conversations. But my number one book, and it's not going to surprise you, Caitlin, my number one book has got to be, just take a guess. I don't know. Really? You don't know? I'm about to say it, and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I did know. Hit me with it. Whale Fall by oh, Daniel yes. Krause. <laughs> <laughs> Should have known. I haven't shut up about this book. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how a writer today comes out and delivers a book like Whalefall, um, and and isn't just immediately added to like a classics list. I just, this book is so good. Um, it's in the top. I keep saying I think it's in the top fifteen best books I've ever read. It. On on its premise, it sounds really simple. It's just about a kid who's trying to go out and find his dad's dead body in in the ocean after his dad kills himself, and in the process gets swallowed by a whale. and And the book is all about his him just trying to survive um, through this whale, but has this existential experience where he reflects back on his relationship with his father, which is really a relationship to himself. It's beautiful. It's powerfully written. It, it's an incredibly, at a technical level even, of, of Daniel Krause's prose. It's um, some of the most impressive, I think, writing he's ever done. And it's just a showcase of like exactly why I think Daniel Krause is a powerhouse writer. Um, he reinvents himself for like every single book he does. And Whale Fall, I feel like, is his most emotionally complex and like just existentially huge book. It is all about awe in a way, A-W-E, awe. And I, I can't get over it. I can't, I can't get over this book. Um, the, the fact that I have a, a copy of it in my house um, signed by Daniel Krause, it, it, it's probably my number one most uh, – like cherished possession. I, I, I can't believe that I had the opportunity to, to talk to Daniel Krause uh, and I just can't believe this book exists because it's, it's one of the best books I've ever read. In a year full of just incredible, incredible moments for me, I cannot believe <laughs> that um, I, you know I had the opportunity to, to talk to, to Daniel and um, this book, 
another book that just made me cry like a stupid baby <laughs> and i love it for that i love that it was so capable of hitting me so emotionally that's it that's 2023 in a nutshell um favorite books hey if you are on social media if you're on threads if you're on instagram i want you to reach out to us at sleigh house i think we're at sleigh house presents now um we used to be formerly at sleigh house lit bits we may still be at sleigh house lit bits for our social media handles but hey reach out to us share with us what are your favorite 10 books of 2023 and we'll come back and hit you up with our upcoming most anticipated reads for 2024.